Let's get it started here. Saturday, 11.59 a.m. It is April 17th, 2021. BK here, of course, coming at you guys from San Diego, California. Really appreciate everyone tuning in the podcast. Check out my Twitter account for breaking news throughout the week, at Bravo Kilo Actual, and you check out that Instagram, at BK Actual. A couple notes here. No podcast next week because I will be filling in on nationally syndicated talk radio for the Jesse Kelly program, and that'll be on, uh, I think it airs around Friday uh, in various times around the country. So uh, so because of that, it's just, I'll, I'll pretty much be doing my regular show except on his program. So check that out, and you can download his podcast as well if you guys want to catch up with that. And also, just a funny note, I got to give a shout out to my Navy man, who I ran into this morning getting coffee, and uh, it was funny. He was like, hey, you BK, and uh, came up and said hi, said he's a big fan, and um, all the guys on the ship out here in San Diego listen to the podcast, and I had to give him a shout-out, really appreciate it. And uh, as I've said a few times, if you guys ever think you see me, don't hesitate to come up and say hi, and uh, really appreciate it. So why don't we get started here, and let's begin, of course, with Afghanistan, with the big announcement this week that President Joe Biden will withdraw American combat troops from Afghanistan by September 11th. That would be declaring an end to the nation's longest war. And in doing so, he had to overrule warnings from his military advisors that the departure could prompt a resurgence of the sort of terrorist threats that sent hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops into combat over the last 20 years. So... In rejecting the Pentagon's push to remain until Afghan security forces can assert themselves against the Taliban, which would be never, in in, in, in essence, uh, Biden has uh, put his foot down. So he has set that deadline for the 20th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. And a senior Biden administration official said the president had come to believe that a conditions-based approach would mean that American troops would never leave the country. And, you know, this it's just it's hard to believe. And I know a lot of you guys, when I put it out on Instagram, expressed a lot of skepticism. And I, too, am skeptical. But we'll see. Remember, this comes 20 years after President George W. Bush ordered an invasion with the goal to punish Osama bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda followers, who had been sheltered in Afghanistan by the Taliban. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny. When it, when it first started, everybody cheered this on. And we thought we'd get in and out and because we never learn from the mistakes of history. And it turned into just a long, bloody, unpopular slog. Of course, you guys have been listening for a while. You know I've been yelling about it for years. Uh, now... Nearly 2,400 American troops have died in Afghanistan. I don't even know how many have been wounded, maimed, etc. And they're putting a price tag on it at about $2 trillion, which I'm sure is way more than that. That probably doesn't even include the CIA black hole money. And, you know, we'll see. Um it's uh, This is something that uh, Trump could have done, Obama could have done, and, and, none, and ne- neither of them did it. So, hey, you know what? Credit, credit to where it's due. Although I will say, if I had to predict, I'm, I'm going to predict right now you're going to see some pretty spectacular attacks in the next couple months. And this is going to make 
the Biden administration probably pause on this. And in the end, are we really going to leave? Nah. I mean, there's probably always going to be American advisors, special forces, again, the CIA, NSA. I'm sure all of them will still be there. So, you know, yes, we are leaving, big air quotes, but are we really? Uh, remember, Trump had set a withdrawal deadline for May 1st, and Pentagon officials kept pushing for a delay. And they've been looking at this timeline, and they said, you know, this is just, again, conditions-based approach, right? They're, it's just never going to stop. And the Afghan central government is completely unable to halt Taliban advances. And there's, you know, they're, they're in for pain in Afghanistan. I mean, I feel really badly for the people of Afghanistan. But as of, you guys have heard me say many, many times, that doesn't mean I want American troops going over there and doing the fighting for them. So... As far as logistics, they said the troop withdrawal would begin before that May 1st deadline. And then by September 11th, it will be concluded. Now, they did say any attacks on withdrawing NATO troops would be met with a forceful response. As I said, you know, we could probably get right back into this fight. And Taliban leaders have pledged for a long time that any breach of the deadline means that their forces will again begin attacking American and coalition troops. Under that withdrawal deal, the Taliban had mostly stopped those attacks, but in the last couple of weeks, they have been rocketing American bases in the south and eastern part of the country. Um, what else about here? You know, this this war in Afghanistan, what can you say about it? Uh, you know, the initial campaign, we had small numbers of special operations forces going in with Afghan militias, famously on horseback sometimes. And immediately, we were quick to force al-Qaeda and Taliban leaders to flee the country. And they mostly fled into Pakistan. And that was by early 2002, a long time ago. But then... As these things often do, the war then evolved and expanded from a counterterrorism mission to one devoted to nation building and trying to install some sort of democracy. But they were not unable to create effective local security forces. That allowed the Taliban to stage a comeback. And that prompted a significant surge of foreign troops back into the country starting in 2009. And it was just a clusterfuck the whole time. Uh, Biden administration officials said the U.S. would reposition American troops in the region to keep an eye on Afghanistan and the Taliban. And they spoke out saying that we will hold the Taliban to a commitment that there will not be a reemergence of a terrorist threat on American or Western interests. But what does that even mean? It's unclear. I mean, how far are you going to go to protect the Afghan government or the Afghan National Security Forces? And, of course, as I said, some troops would remain in the country, and Biden administration officials even admitted that, because we do have an American diplomatic presence in Afghanistan, so that's kind of a standard uh, op there. And let's see, 20 years, 800,000 troops have been deployed to Afghanistan, including myself. And it's just, uh, it's like I said, hard, hard to believe. But we will keep an eye on it. 
I don't see really the Afghan troops holding up very well. Over the past year, Afghan security forces have lost territory from all these Taliban assaults and have relied on American air power. And the militias outside the Taliban have reappeared. And they've even challenged Afghan government security forces in some areas. And a lot of the Afghan civilian population is uh, seeing these militias come out and uh, be they're very worried for the future of their country. Can't say I blame them. He did reject these generals' views. You know, if they had their way, they would be doing it. Uh, they would they would be there forever. And in the Oval Office, the New York Times has a story that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin III and General Mark Milley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, wanted to make certain when Biden used his national security briefing on the morning of April 6th to deliver the news that he wanted all American troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th. And the Defense Secretary and the chairman said, quote, I take what you said as, as a decision, sir. Is that correct, Mr. President? End quote. And yes, it was correct. The military leadership wanted to convince Joe Biden to maintain at least a modern, a modest troop presence outside that diplomatic mission. But apparently Biden refused to be persuaded. Uh, the two Pentagon leaders stood before Biden near the same resolute desk where President George W. Bush re reviewed his plans in 2001 to send in those troops to hunt for Osama bin Laden. And it was the same desk where President Barack Obama decided on a surge of forces in 2009. And it's funny, this story notes that uh, Obama in 2009 was discovering that the Afghan military was not able to defend itself despite billions of dollars in training. And it's just such a damning indictment on it. You know, the, the, the Air Force there is, is haphazard at best. The maintenance is terrible. Um, it's, but what can you do? What can you do? So, I don't know. Good luck to Afghanistan. They're going to need it. And... Speaking of Afghanistan, Secretary of State Antony Blinken has traveled to Kabul, by the way, trying to probably uh, soothe some hurt feelings, no doubt. And he went over there to kind of signal co continued cooperation amid this uh, major policy shift. Uh, Blinken did visit the U.S. Embassy, and then he did meet with Ashraf Ghani, the Afghan president, and the chairman of the Afghan government, Abdullah Abdullah. So Blinken himself said that the time had come for American troops to leave the country, but that there was strong bipartisan support for a continued commitment to Afghan security forces. But, you know, who, again, who knows what that, that really means. As far as NATO, they too are going to begin withdrawing NATO forces on May 1st, and they too say they will finish within a few months. And that was according to a statement that came out from NATO following the announcement by the U.S. Uh, at the moment, there are 9,600 NATO troops officially in Afghanistan. Of that number is the 2,500 Americans. The second largest contingent, by the way, in case you didn't know, was from Germany. They have 1,300 troops still in Afghanistan. These are all official numbers. It's probably a little bit higher than that. So, anything else on here? 
NATO allies had been waiting for Biden to decide on a withdrawal deadline and have had consultations with U.S. officials. And now they want to synchronize with the U.S. to uh, pull it out. So pretty spectacular announcement. And um, yeah, take it with a grain of salt, like I said. Now, speaking of the troops, you know, we are still all over the world. And now the U.S. is thinking about moving some troops in Germany because the U.S. and uh, NATO are anxious about this major Russian troop buildup on Ukraine's border. And I'll have a little bit more on that in a minute. And Defense Secretary Austin said this week that the U.S. would increase its military presence in Germany by about 500 personnel. And remember those plans that Trump made for the large troop reduction in Europe? Yeah, those are gone. So, this again comes as we're looking at Moscow deploying all those soldiers near the Ukraine border. And that's more soldiers, by the way, than at any time since Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014. And it's in violation of international law. And Russian troops there are kind of trying to start this, uh, kickstart this separatist movement in eastern Ukraine and consolidating that hold on Crimea. So, lots of stuff happening around here. Uh, Trump, as far as that withdrawal plan, he wanted to withdraw about 12,000 of the roughly 36,000 U.S. personnel stationed in Germany. So, that's no longer going to happen. One of the units going will involve field artillery, um composite air and missile defense, intelligence, cyberspace, electronic warfare, and aviation. And the other unit will be a command to improve the way different countries cooperate during joint operations. I'm not sure what that means. Hmm. Okay. We'll have more on the Russian thing in a moment. I know a lot of you guys have been asking about that. But uh, for now, let's move on and let's talk about this shooting in Indianapolis. Yeah, another mass shooting here. And this was the gunman who stepped into the FedEx work uh, warehouse where he had once worked and started just shooting into the open. And he was apparently screaming unintelligibly as he fired round after round. And then the dude killed himself. And the gunman has been identified as 19-year-old Brandon Scott Hole. Nice name. Uh, I saw his picture. Classic incel. And, yeah, he used to work at the warehouse. He was already on the law enforcement radar. They have identified the victims. Four of them were of the Sikh religious background, apparently. And they said this rampage went on in just a few minutes. He arrived there at 11 p.m., this is a huge warehouse. You know, it's got the truck docks. This is a few miles outside the Indianapolis airport, and there's about 100 people inside during the time. It was a shift change, actually. And he was armed with a rifle and just started, frankly, randomly shooting. And the, according to the police chief, there was no confrontation with anyone who was there. There was no disturbance. There was no argument. He just pulls out the gun and starts freaking spraying. Ah, uh, that's... I mean, what do you get? This is horrible. And all it does is, you know, all it does, all this does is going to just basically penalize the lawful gun owners like all these things do. Uh, what else about this? 
just looking here. Hole, the gunman, last worked at the FedEx warehouse in 2020. So it's been a while. The chief thinks he worked there until the fall. We still don't know why his employment ended. But he had run into the cops before because in March 2020, Hole's mother had contacted law enforcement to report that he might attempt what is famously known as suicide by cop. And this was according to the special agent from the FBI in charge of the Indianapolis office. Indeed, the Indianapolis police actually placed Hole in a mental health temporary hold. And he was interviewed by FBI agents. And they said that he was interviewed, quote, based on items observed in the suspect's bedroom at that time, end quote. Hmm. Wonder what those were. They're not saying. They did not find him to be harboring violent, racially motivated ideology, according to the FBI agent. But the authorities did take a shotgun from him, which they never returned, by the way. So, how... I'm always curious about the gun. And they they really uh, just neglect that part of quite a bit. Well, I mean, he was never charged with a crime. It's a problem. His mom called up the cops. She did the right thing. I mean, they interviewed him. I mean, what are you going to do? We have civil rights in this country. So I'm wondering how he uh, got this rifle here. Anything else down here? I'm just scanning to see if I can find anything about. There's something about the victims here. Uh, yeah, like I said, a bunch of Sikhs. Um got killed. Apparently, Indiana is home to many Sikhs. There's about 10,000 Sikh Americans in Indiana over the last 50 years. And they said he was, uh, apparently he was wearing some kind of hood. And also, another thing that kind of came out on this, the employees inside didn't have cell phones. Yeah. Cell phone access is limited within the facility to minimize distractions. Apparently, such policies are common in the shipping industry because they have these fast-paced, highly automated operations. They don't allow their employees to even have cell phones, and that, that's uh, they're kind of being they're kind of being criticized for that. And FedEx is defending it by saying, "Hey, we've got all these fast-moving machinery and uh, these moving rapidly moving belts, and we can't uh, have any distractions here." More about this suicide by cop. Yep, not charged with a crime. Uh, nothing about the gun, apparently. But we've had a bunch of these mass shootings lately. You know, in mid-March, we had the eight people shot to death at the three parlors, massage parlors in the Atlanta area. And then less than a week later, 10 people were killed at that grocery store in Boulder. And at the end of March, a gunman killed four people at that real estate office in Southern California. And then last week, uh, covered on the podcast, was the former NFL player who shot and killed the doctor, the doctor's wife, and their two grandchildren, and just a poor air conditioning tech who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time working at the house. Oh, and I said when th there was a guy who was taken to the hospital in critical condition, he did later die. So that was six people dead total. Uh, and by the way, Friday, yesterday, was the 14th anniversary of the massacre at Virginia Tech when that guy killed 33 people. That was then the deadliest shooting rampage in the nation's history. 
but we've sadly surpassed that. Then, in just a random, like, weird story here, uh, one of you guys sent this to me on Twitter. They're saying that this shooting suspect, Hole, Brandon Scott Hole, was reportedly part of the adult following of the My Little Pony phenomenon. Yeah, he was a brony. Has heard of that before, right? My Little Pony is, of course, the children's cartoon series. And there's all these like weirdos who like, you know, are fascinated by it and like to dress up in the shit. Yeah. There was a post time stamped from his Facebook account, which has been deleted, by the way. Less than an hour before the shooting that read, quote, I hope that I can be with Applejack in the afterlife. My life has no meaning without her, end quote. Applejack is the name of one of the ponies in My Little Pony. And yes, there was a picture of the pony Applejack underneath that post. Oh, fuck. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I've heard all I need to hear. Incel, clearly. I mean, dude, you're a grown man. At 19, you're a grown man. What are you doing? And all these these bronies. That's just weird, dude. <laughs> it's like... It's some weird, like, childlike sex perversion kink. I don't get it. But, yeah. Sad. And I don't know. I don't know how you stop this. You know, if the guy, is, the cops sort of did the right thing. But, again, what are you going to do? He hasn't committed a crime. You can't just lock him up in prison for the rest of his life without a crime or doing something. And you have to realize, as I've said a bunch of times, with the Second Amendment, there's a lot of responsibility behind that. And to have that freedom, we also have to realize that every once in a while, some nut is going to get a hold of a weapon and do this. I don't know what the gun laws in Indianapolis are. I'm assuming they're pretty uh, pretty good. As a good, I mean, like I assume that you can probably get a weapon pretty easily. It is the Midwest. But it, it did say a rifle. And it sounds like it was an AR-style rifle. But I'm just going on speculation here. But they said they did fire a lot of shots, so it must have been a semi-automatic rifle of some kind. So I don't know how old you have to be to get a rifle in Indianapolis, but yeah, terrible. Okay, let's go back to the story about Russia because I know a lot of you guys have asked me about this. Again, this is the massing of all kinds of tanks and infantry along the southwestern Russian border with Ukraine, and they think this is meant to send a message. And this is the largest military buildup along the border with Ukraine since the onset of that war with Russian-backed separatists that started seven years ago, and they're not even really trying to hide it. So this mobilization is setting off alarms in NATO, and also... Biden administration just hit Moscow with a new round of sanctions, and then Russia responded almost immediately, announcing on Friday that it would expel 10 U.S. diplomats. Now, what were the sanctions for? They were intended to punish Russia for numerous past actions, including its meddling in U.S. elections, the solar winds hacking of government agencies and corporations. You guys remember that one? Various disinformation efforts, and again, the annexation of Crimea. So, according to Ukraine Minister of Defense, he told European lawmakers on Wednesday that Russia is now garrisoning about 110,000 soldiers near the Ukrainian border. 
And they're telling Congress, the CIA, that it remains unclear whether the buildup is a show of force or preparation for something more ominous. And even if it's unclear what they're doing, analysts are saying it was definitely meant to be seen. After all, it makes sense. What good is a show of force if nobody's looking at it, right? Um, what else about this? They say it's likely that the buildup is intended as a warning to the West to not take Russia for granted. And it seemed that President Vladimir Putin, after four years of trying to get along with Trump, he now faces a far more chilly Biden administration. And the Kremlin's relations with Europe are at their lowest ebb since the Gorbachev era. Uh, let's see here. Now, President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, has in recent months also moved troops close to the border. And he shut down Russia-friendly TV stations. And he's charged some of those separatist leaders with treason. So yeah, they, they got uh, this is a massive buildup. You got tanks, huge trucks, you know, uh, yeah, five-ton trucks, all that stuff. And uh, it's going. Uh, they've got some those huge tracked multiple rocket launchers call, uh, going over there. Uh, they've got Bradley fighting vehicle, or the equivalent, the Russian equivalent anyway. And they've landed artillery, infantry, special forces units, tanks, missiles, and naval landing craft. So Biden says he's trying to de-escalate, but we will see. So basically right now they're just sitting there. So, as soon as something happens, I'll give you guys more on that. Now, speaking of Russia, the Biden administration revealed on Thursday that a business associate of Trump campaign officials in 2016 provided campaign polling data to Russian intelligence services. And they this was made public in a Treasury Department document and now announcing those new sanctions against Russia. And they did say that this establishes for the first time that private meetings and communications between the campaign officials who were Paul Manafort and Rick Gates and their business associates were kind of this pipeline from the campaign to Russian spies. Now, the associate was that guy, Konstantin Kalimnik. And... Investigations have revealed he is a Russian intelligence operative. And Manafort did, apparently, provide him with internal polling data. Um, I'm not sure really why. The Biden administration provided no supporting evidence to bolster the assessment that the Russian intelligence services obtained the polling data and campaign information, though. Uh, this is the theory that having the polling data would have allowed Russia to better understand the Trump campaign strategy. Now, Gates responded in a statement. He says the Treasury Department had failed to provide any evidence to back up its claim. Uh, he said the polling data, quote, passed periodically to Kalimnik at Paul Manafort's direction was simplistic and outdated, never in real time, it was from both public and internal sources, 
It was not massive binders full of demographics or deep research. It was top-line numbers and did not contain any strategic plans, end quote. Well, this didn't stop the resistance from fucking running all over Twitter and shrieking about uh, Russia collusion here. It's not clear whether this guy Kalimnik, how long they've held that he is, in fact, a Russian spy. He was indicted by the Justice Department in 2018 on charges of obstruction of justice. So he'd been a longtime business partner when Manafort was doing that political consulting in Ukraine. So, and they basically think that he was passing it right along uh, to the Kremlin. So there you go. Fucking, it never ends. Uh, what else? Oh, and then of course, how could I fucking forget this? Remember the Russian bounty story. You guys remember this? You remember like the idiots of the resistance on Twitter, like the guys at Vote Vets tweeting incessantly about Russian bounties and how like Trump wasn't doing anything because I don't know, he was like a secret uh, Russian spy or something like that. Yeah, and I said, remember how I told you guys periodically I'd give you an update on that? First the first it was debunked by the media and then it was debunked by the head of CENTCOM, the guy in charge of Afghanistan said, no, I've never seen anything like that. Well, it was a huge election season story. And remember, this is like treason was being thrown around, of course. And this week on Thursday, the Biden administration announced that U.S. intelligence had only, quote, low to moderate, end quote, confidence in the story after all. Translated, that means intelligence agencies have found the story is at best unproven and possibly untrue. It does, but it doesn't matter. You just scream, you throw it out there, and then, like, you know, months later when the damage has been done, then you just say, like, oh, yeah, I guess we were wrong. Remember at the time, I think I speculated this is like, you know, this could have been like a, some guy casually talking or making up stuff when he was talking to like American intelligence, you know, some. Uh, some guy who came over to get a fistful of money. So, oh, here we go. Here's some more info on it. According to the according to the officials, the reporting about the alleged bounties came from detainee reporting, which means that someone told their U.S.-aligned Afghan jailers what they thought was necessary to get out of jail. Specifically, the official cited, quote, information and evidence of connections to criminal agents in Afghanistan and elements of the Russian government, end quote, as sources for the intelligence community's assessment. So, this was, obviously, without cooperation, pretty unreliable. Um, you know, and this has happened before. Detainee reporting from a man known as Ibn Shaikh al-Libi extracted from torture infamously and bogusly fueled a Bush administration claim used to invade Iraq about Saddam Hussein training al-Qaeda to make poison gas, and that turned out to be false. Hmm. Yep. But again, it didn't stop the resistance from shrieking all over Twitter about it for, for many months, or the media, by the way. And indeed, I have a supercut from the media 
on the Russian bounty story. Let's take a listen to this. In our worldly today, President Trump dismissing the Russian bounty intelligence story as a hoax meant to damage him and Republicans. The president often touts his relationship with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. The, the White House also responding tonight to a bombshell report accusing Russia of offering bounties to the Taliban to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan. And now you know from this reporting in the New York Times, which has since been confirmed by the Wall Street Journal, that not only does the president know that Russia was paying for American soldiers' deaths. News, get this, the Washington Post is now reporting that the alleged Russian bounties to Taliban fighters in Afghanistan are believed to have resulted in the deaths of U.S. troops. Like this New York Times story about a stunning U.S. intel assessment, finding that Russia secretly ordered, uh, offered Afghan militants bounties to kill U.S. troops. So comes under fire over those bombshell reports that the White House was told Russia was paying bounties to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The most important application of that question is what did the president know about Vladimir Putin offering a bounty for the killing of American soldiers in <laughs> Afghanistan? And when did he know it? Oh, a senior Afghan official confirmed to CBS News that the reports were not only true, but the Russian government achieved some success with their plans. Barry Kaley, I cannot tell a lie, McEnany, insists the president does in fact read everything he needs to read. We need to look at the real threat to U.S. troops and the risk that Russia was putting a bounty on their heads. That Americans found out this weekend that Vladimir Putin is paying to put bounties on the heads of American troops. Telling CNN that the White House was warned about Russia offering bounties, actual bounties to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. He's not even there yet. He's still suggesting that the reporting about the fact that there were these bounties offered is fake. Meanwhile, your organization, The New York Times and others, are getting some fairly detailed uh, reporting about how it actually works. Despite those denials over and over, sources tell CNN that last week the U.S. even shared that intelligence with British officials as some of the British troops would have been targeted as well. Yeah, uh, to, to say nothing of, of putting bounties on, on American troops. Um, it's unbelievable, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> reporting that Russia had bounties on the heads of American soldiers. And you know what a bounty is? No, what? It's somebody puts a price on your head and they will pay it if you are killed. Okay, thank you very much. That was Kamala Harris, for current vice president, by the way. Yep, doesn't matter, though. Doesn't matter. It was all nonsense. Crazy. You can just throw out anything now. It doesn't even matter. This is going to be the wave of the future. You want to discredit your political, or, you know, get back at somebody politically, just plan a story with uh, sympathetic reporters. Okay, well, let's move on from that. Let's go to Cuba. But this, Raul Castro announced yesterday, Friday, that he was handing over the leadership of Cuba's ruling Communist Party to a younger generation. This, of course, leaves the island nation without a Castro in the top leadership role for the first time in over 60 years. Uh, Raul Castro turns 90 this June. And uh, yeah, he, he did uh, reiterate this long-anticipated intention to step down. Uh, he expected to formally step down and announce his replacement before the conference. This is the Communist Party Congress, and uh, but this is a some sort of conference they're having. And before this conference ends on Monday, he is expected to formally step down. 
So he served two terms as Cuba's president. He did actually step down from that office in 2018. And he was replaced by his hand-picked successor, somebody named Miguel Diaz Bermudez. Uh, and they think Cuba's leadership will likely announce further reforms during the party congress, allowing for more free market activity and reorienting the country's economy further away from that state-run model put in place after the revolution that brought Raul Castro and his brother Fidel to power in 1959. And you know, this because it's unsustainable. Communism has never worked. And they have to do this. Cuba is facing its worst economic crisis since the 1990s when that was, of course, the fall of the Soviet Union. So now they want to try to get some economic reforms in here and kickstart it a little bit. Remember, Fidel Castro died five years ago. And Raul was seen as a little bit more willing than Fidel. Like, Fidel was the fanatic. He's seen as more willing to take Cuba away from the hardcore communist model. Uh, so he had announced in 2016 that he would give up his post as Secretary General of the Communist Party uh, during this year's party. Now, in case you're wondering, well, he was president. So what's the, the this is a party position. Well, in Cuba, the Secretary General of the Communist Party is the most powerful position in Cuba and is seen as more powerful than the presidency, which is seen as second place. Yeah, pretty wild. You know, these all these old communists have been like kind of ruling Cuba now for, for decades, and that's kind of what made it into this stagnant like shitbox because all these old communist fossils, the same guys who launched the revolution in the 50s, are have been running the place for a while. Fascinating story, the communist revolution in Cuba. You guys should uh, read up on that. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Let's go to Iran. Iran has started enriching its uranium supply to 60% purity. That is the closest the country has ever come to the level needed for a nuclear weapon. And they say they're doing this in response to the sabotage of an Iranian nuclear site last weekend that was linked to Israel. You guys remember that? And this comes as the Iranian officials threatened to do this after that sabotage. And President Hassan Rouhani of Iran has said that his scientists can easily enrich uranium to 90% purity, and that is weapons-grade fuel. Although he insisted that Iran is never seeking to make an atomic, atomic bomb. This is a little dry, but I thought you guys might be interested in it. But what is the goal of uranium enrichment? What is it? Well, uranium contains a rare radioactive isotope called U-235 that can be used to power nuclear reactors at low enrichment levels. And if you enrich it, that will then fuel nuclear bombs. So the goal of uranium enrichment is to raise the percentage levels of the u 235, and they do that through use of centrifuges, those machines that spin this uranium, which is unrefined at high speeds, and that's how they kind of get all the gunk out of it. 
Now, they had this nuclear agreement in place that was known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, and Iran was allowed to keep up to 300 kilograms, or 660 pounds, of uranium enriched to 3.67% for nuclear power. They had agreed to stop enriching uranium beyond 5% and to stop those centrifuges. So that's when their uranium supply fell far below the amount needed to produce even one bomb. So then after Trump pulled the Iran deal in 2018, they started bucking on that agreement. They increased that 3.67% uranium supply. They started the centrifuges back up again, and they raised uranium purity in some of the supply to 20% while restricting international inspectors' access to uh, some nuclear sites. Now, interestingly enough, what makes the 60% enrichment level particularly threatening is that the process of enrichment actually becomes a lot easier as it moves into higher purities. In other words, getting to 90% purity is much easier going from 60% than it is to go from 3% to 20%, if that makes sense. So how much they have now? Well, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency, Iran, as of February, had amassed 2,967.8 kilograms of uranium. That's roughly 14 times the limit under the nuclear accord and theoretically enough to power about three atom bombs if they refined it all to weapons grade. Uh, so about that sabotage, did that set back their ability to enrich uranium? Yeah, they think it did. Uh, Iranian officials have given conflicting accounts of that centrifuge damage that they had that happened last week, but they have a second enrichment site in an underground facility, and that remains uh, untouched. So keep an eye out on Iran. Uh, th this story, let's go. This is, I don't know what people are thinking sometimes. <laughs> this is insane. Let's go to, let's talk about these, uh, uh, can't, let's go talk about the Cambodians here for a moment. They, there was an Irish artist. He runs a business colorizing old photographs and he wanted to do an exhibit honoring the 1.7 million Cambodians who were tortured and put to death under the Khmer Rouge regime. That was the communist regime in Cambodia that from 1975 to 1979 just committed like fucking mass killings. And this guy's name is Matt Lowry. He has, like I say, he colorizes old photographs. So he got a hold of some of the portraits that were found in the former Cambodian prison that is now a museum called Tual Sleng. And in some cases, he altered the images to put smiles on the victims' faces. <laughs> he said he wanted to humanize the tragedy. Well, this was published uh, in an interview with Vice Media, and Vice's publications of the doctored photos caused a huge outcry from Cambodians worldwide. They have since removed the article. And uh, many Cambodians remain shocked by Lowry's treatment of the portraits and have called for an apology. Do they have any... Oh, yeah, here's one. 
I was about to say, do they have an example of one of these? Yeah, and it's in color because the original photographs are uh, black and white. And so he added the color, and yes, I'm looking at one right now. It's of a guy probably about 22 years old. And you can see the side-by-side photograph, and it's fucking ridiculous. I have no idea why you would do that. Um, just looking down here. Oh, you know what? He, he This is not the first time he's been accused of undermining historical truth. Uh, he has defended it, as a matter of fact. He's like, well, I'm an artist, so I can do what I want. Some 18,000 people were imprisoned at that prison, Twal Slang. They were brought blindfolded into prison, and the pictures were taken moments after the blindfolds were pulled from their faces. So you can imagine how freaked out they were in the moment. Wow. Fucking dummy. Let's go to this story. Let's talk about our U.S. Special Forces. And NBC News had an investigation uh, about secret Facebook groups exclusively for Special Operations Forces. And NBC is saying that these groups are sharing misinformation about a stolen 2020 election, disparaging and racist comments about America's political leadership, and even QAnon conspiracy theories. Hmm. NBC News said they reviewed hundreds of Facebook posts and forums for current and former Rangers, Green Berets, SEALs, PJs, etc. And said they found all this. So somebody like somebody's snitching to the media. Uh, let's see. What's some what are some of the example? They said that several aides to former President Vice President Mike Pence were part of a quote concerted effort by the thieves and pedophiles walking the hallowed halls of the people's government, end quote, to undermine former President Donald Trump. Another member commented, quote, in a just world they would have already been taken out behind the courthouse and shot, end quote. Um, and yet another post, a member of one of the groups responded to criticism of the Black Lives Matter movement with the image of a noose. And the message, in all caps, quote, If we want to make America great again, we will have to make evil people fear punishment again, end quote. Oh, here's a quote from uh, my buddy Jack Murphy, former Army Ranger. He used to work with Jack at Sofrep. Uh, Jack has been, uh, you know, pretty pretty open about his speculation that there's, like, widespread radicalization in the U.S. military. I, I, I do think there's some of it. Uh, but I think most of it's pretty harmless. I'm not going to go as far as Jack does. Uh, let's see. Majority of the content in two of the groups, uh, two groups they list here is one's called SF Brotherhood. Any, I'm sorry, it's called SF Brotherhood-PAC. And the other one is called U.S. Special Forces Team Room. Collectively, the two groups have more than 5,000 members with some people belonging to both. Uh, Facebook has flagged a few of the posts in the groups as including false information. And some guys did, you know, push back on this. So so it wasn't like all, you know, people like, you know, so some guys were posting up shit about QAnon, stolen election, and other guys were pushing back saying that's not true. So, uh, let me see anything else. Any other good quotes in here? Um, (laughs) They referred to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin with derogatory terms like Bubba. It's not not that bad. Uh, let's see. 
I'm looking for, is this it? Come on. Um, anything good here? Is this the best? Those are the best quotes they could come up with. Yeah. I've seen a lot worse. Let me just tell you this. And you think that's bad? You should hear the way guys talk in a real team room. Oh, here's some other stuff. So you know how Lloyd Austin has been trying to like, you know, do the whole rooting out extremism and, you know, white privilege and white supremacy and all that stuff. Well, some of these guys didn't like that. So they referred to Austin as, quote, a racist punk, a pus gut maggot, and again, Bubba, end quote. Uh, let's see. Yeah, one guy wrote this, quote, this is fucked. This is racist fucked. Tell me officers don't get social promotions. Puss gut maggot. This fuck is an embarrassment to the military and everything it stands for. And how many senior officers were are gathering around to kiss his ass to get another star, end quote. And then somebody underneath that wrote, uh, he, got, uh, he got the promotion because of the color of his skin. All right. Oh, and they didn't like the transgender troop stories either. Jeez. Yeah, somebody decided to turn it over to NBC News. Hmm. All right. Okay, guys, let's lighten up the mood here a little bit. Let's go to the UK. And you guys know one of the favorite one of my favorite things is when a guy gets caught pleasuring himself, the excuse he comes up with. So I, I always I'll always do a story like that. So there's a guy in the UK and Michael Thompson was parked in some place called Northumberland. And he decided to stare directly at a woman and start pleasuring himself. (laughs) Oh, man. She said she noticed a male in a car staring straight towards her and masturbating. She took the vehicle registration, told the police. He was contacted by the cops. And then he told the cops he admitted he was there, but it said at the time he had just spilled some coffee. Okay, so that's why he was frantically jerking his arm up and down over his crotch. (laughs) Oh, that's a good time, isn't it? All right, what else I got here for you? Let's talk about this. This was funny. Did you see uh, Joe Biden was basically bullied into reversing course on the refugee entries yesterday. This was hilarious. Yep. The White House announced on Friday, yesterday, that Biden would limit the number of refugees allowed into the U.S. this year to the historically low level set by the Trump administration. And that reversed an earlier promise to welcome more than 60,000 people as refugees. So he was going to cap that number at the same number Trump did, which was 15,000. Well, the fucking media went ballistic and all the blue checks on Twitter. And that same, like hours later, <laughs> he had to, he, he, they walked it back, as they like to say. Yep. They promised a new increased number by May 15th. That's hilarious. Yeah, they friggin' went crazy. Like It was like, you know, when the media really gets pissed off about something, it's like just a massive, coordinated, collective freakout on social media. Every single one of them will talk about the same thing. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, and it wasn't just the media. It was some of the Democrats in Congress as well. And the 
you know, it, it, which is funny because, you know, they have nothing to say about the literally hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming over the southern border at all. But the minute you want to cap the number of refugees, I mean, aren't we letting in hundreds of thousands of refugees, big air quotes there, on the southern border right now? I mean, we don't have anywhere to put those people still. You guys have been listening. You've heard me cover the clusterfuck of the, you know, they're using convention centers. Half the kids have COVID. Friggin' nightmare. We don't have enough space for any of these people. So why would you then let in tens of thousands of more refugees from overseas? But that's the, they don't care. The Biden administration had been promising for months to raise that cap, uh, but they did not sign any executive orders or presidential uh, orders that would allow refugees to board flights to America. They did say there's already 33,000 refugees that have been vetted and are ready to travel to the United States right now. So big influx. Um, the directive did include some changes to that Trump era program, by the way. The Trump era program gave priority to Iraqis who had worked for the U.S. military and to people, primarily Christians, who are facing religious prosecution. It had also disqualified most other Muslim and African refugees. Well, Biden is changing that by allowing in refugees based on the region they are fleeing. So the carved out chunks uh, are going to have room for 7,000 Africans, 1,000 East Asians, 1,500 Europeans and Central Asians, and 3,000 Latin Americans and Caribbeans. And... Uh, 1,500 openings for those near, from uh, Near East and South Asia. Again, none of this counts the 175,000 illegal immigrants we had in the southern border just in the month of March. Okay. Yep. So, that's funny, though. I just saw the backlash, and it was it was pretty, pretty comedy. And then just as a side note, did you see that uh, Biden was talking to the Japanese prime minister? And... He wanted to bring up the Masters champion this year, the Masters golf tournament. That was Hideki Matsuyama. And he wanted to congratulate the Japan Prime Minister on, uh, on winning the Masters. Let's hear how this went. I know how proud you are of the people of Japan are. And uh, you've got a Japanese boy coming over here, and guess what? He won the Masters. He won the Masters. He won the green jacket. Yeah, okay. Yes, he did call 29-year-old Hideki Matsuyama a Japanese boy. Uh, not the worst thing in the world, but, I mean, can you imagine if fucking Trump did that? Too funny. All right. What else do I have here? Um, let's go to... Let's go to this one. This is You guys know I love these stories. Uh, this is a man who was found with a child-size sex doll. And he is a child porn convict already. He has pled guilty to federal child pornography charges. So, Jeffrey John White, he's 53. He was on supervised probation probation for a previous conviction for similar crimes, because as you guys know, there's no cure for this. And while he was on probation, 
he began to use a peer-to-peer file sharing network to access, distribute, and possess child pornography. And they were able to track that down uh, somehow. God, this is so nasty. They found 7,000 unique images, 240 unique videos of child porn after they seized his laptop. And, oh God, authorities also discovered a, quote, child-sized sex doll with an anal and vaginal opening, end quote. Uh, I'm going to ask the question again. I know you guys think this is weird of me to like think about this, but is this a regular doll that he just cut two holes into? Or is this like a made-to-factory-order item? I'm always curious about that, you know? Cause like is, is it like it's it's a it's legal is it legal until you cut the holes in it you know what I'm saying if you go out and buy a you know doll and then if you cut holes in it now it's a sex doll and now it's illegal I'm not sure how this I'm unclear on the law. Uh he faces a mandatory minimum sentence of ten years. God, just, there's no there, there's you can't fix this. You just can't fix it. Oh well. Let's talk about the Supreme Court. You guys have probably seen Sleepy Joe is now establishing a commission to evaluate proposed overhauls to the Supreme Court. And one of those is the hotly debated expansion of the number of justices, also known as packing the court. This is going to be a 36-member commission They've already met as of yesterday, and they are going to look at changing some of the rules of the Supreme Court, such as imposing term limits uh, or mandatory retirement ages. Other areas include proposals to limit the court's ability to strike down acts of Congress. And yeah, this is going to be this is this could be a big deal. Um, the meeting is not to, expected to include significant discussions, discussion of issues. It will conduct its substantive work in public, by the way. That's under law. And he decided to create this commission because the media would not stop asking him about whether or not he wanted to add seats to the Supreme Court. Remember, a lot of libs have been calling for that after the Republican... Uh, administration under Donald Trump was able to add conservative so-called judges to the Supreme Court that they say is a six to three conservative advantage. Of course, you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while. You know that that's hardly a sure thing. For example, Chief Justice John Roberts often sides with the liberal minority. So I, I don't see how you could say it's like a, it's a, it's a done deal. Now, interestingly enough, I have yet another supercut of all kinds of Democrats, Supreme Court justices of the past, saying that it's a terrible idea to do this. Let's not get into court pecking. We, we had three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They had three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. There are some people on the Democratic side who would like to increase the number of judges. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think that was a bad idea when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. 
but it was a bonehead idea. Joe Biden. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body. Took an act of courage on the part of his own party institutionally to stand up against this power grab. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problem that exists. Joe Biden. And, and I, so I think that is not uh, the ultimate solution. So I am not at all in favor. But where does <laughs> it stop? I mean, so we go yeah, from yeah. 9 to 15, right. and then the next right. no, it's takes terrible. over it's, 15 no, to 27. And I think that we better be very, very careful in saying that uh, we need to expand the Supreme Court. I think we better be very, very careful. Well, if anything would make the court appear partisan, it would be that one side saying, when we're in power, we're going to enlarge the number. I don't believe that uh, expanding the size of the Supreme Court is the answer. I don't know that expanding the size of the Supreme Court Beto. is the best way to address legitimate concerns we have. I do not think expanding the Supreme Court makes sense. No. 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 Where does that stop? It's a race to the bottom. Roosevelt tried that in the 1930s. Didn't work so well. Nine seems to be a good number, and it's been that way for... For a long time. Okay, there you have it. You see, among those people you heard, you heard Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Joe Biden several times, uh, Bernie Sanders, Julian Castro, was in there. Mayor Bill de Blasio was another one. So, of course, now that uh, they're in charge, you know, all that shit goes out the window. That's kind of, kind of the standard way that things happen. Let's go to Canada and talk about this lawmaker who was caught nude on a Zoom meeting. This is William Amos. He's a Canadian lawmaker. I guess he's a member of parliament, just as Canadian lawmaker. He said he had just come back from a jog on Wednesday and was changing into work clothes when he realized that the camera on his computer was on. By then, fellow lawmakers in a legislative session had already seen him standing nude in his room between the flags of Canada and Quebec. Now, the session was broadcast publicly, but the image of Amos was not shown on the broadcast because he was not speaking at the time. You guys know how Zoom works. Still, he could be seen by other members watching the session on a private Zoom feed. Well, now they're mad because someone took a photo of Amos, nude, and then posted it, leaked it to somebody and posted it on social media. And then, you know, once it's on there, it went completely worldwide. Uh, they are going to start an investigation. They asked House Speaker Anthony Rhoda to immediately begin an investigation to determine who took the photo. And it had to be uh, another member of Parliament. And they said that this was a potential criminal act. Hmm. Yeah, it was pretty funny. They said... Uh, Amos said in a statement, this photo came from a video feed that only MPs, members of parliament, or very small number of staff had access to. And he's mad. And as a matter of fact, Canadian law forbids publishing, distributing, or making available an intimate image of a person knowing that the person depicted in the image did not give their consent. That law was passed in 2014 to combat uh, revenge porn. Um, they don't believe that the photo would violate the law because the picture that was circulated, I, 
I don't have the picture in front of me, and they're not—they're too delicate on this news source to print it. They do his say his genitals were obscured. I don't mean if that—I don't know if that means like he was holding his hand over it or they like blurred it out. I'm—I'm I'm not clear on that. So. Dude, you gotta why? Why would you? You gotta leave that. You gotta, you gotta watch those cameras, kids. Come on now. Uh, what else? Let's go back to the UK. Here's another great one. Oh, I'm sorry. This was in, uh, not the UK. This is in Australia. And a window cleaner decided to pleasure himself in front of an entire family. Yep. David Anderson, 37 years old, got out of his company window cleaning van, pulled down his pants, stared at a family inside, and then carried out a solo sex act. <laughs> solo sex act. Uh, shockingly, this master criminal was easily traced because his company name was on the side of his van. That's funny. He had, yeah, he, he uh, where was this exactly? Okay, this was a, uh, let, me, let me back up a little bit. They're using British English here, so it throws me off a little bit. It was at a Perth beauty spot, which means a scenic overlook. And he pulled into this parking lot. And this is very popular with families and stuff. And yeah, he just freaking pulled it out. And uh, started uh, wailing away. <laughs> uh, he was ordered to carry out 150 hours of unpaid work in the community. Oh, and he's uh, going to attend the rehabilitation program for sex offenders. Yeah, okay. Uh, that, that, that'll work, I'm sure. What else? Let's do a few other world stories here. Let's go to Somalia, where the Somali president has extended his own term in office by two years, and the U.S. has condemned the move. You view it as a naked power grab. This is President Mohammed Abdul Abdullahi Mohammed. He was a one-time American citizen, by the way. And he announced he signed a law extending his own term early Wednesday this week, two days after it was approved by Somalia's parliament. And now this is considered a worst-case scenario for the uh, United Nations and the U.S., who have been trying to get Mohammed and other Somali regional leaders uh, locked in this bitter dispute over when and how to hold parliamentary and presidential elections that were scheduled to take place by early February. And, oh, by the way, we have given billions of dollars in aid to Somalia. That includes also conducting numerous airstrikes and military raids against al-Shabaab, who, by the way, had privately threatened Mohammed and his top officials with sanctions and visa restrictions if they disregarded the uh, election timetable. So, another fucking, no, another morass right there. Uh, and let's see. What else here? Japan. They announced this week that they had decided to gradually release tons of treated wastewater from the ruined Fukushima nuclear plant into the ocean. They described it as the best option for disposal. Uh, fishing crews are fiercely opposing this, and governments abroad are also 
opposing it. But they did say the plan is to start releasing this contaminated water, well, treated now, in two years. And it was approved during a cabinet meeting of ministers early Tuesday. Uh, the space used to store the water is expected to run out next year. And Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga said during the cabinet meeting on Tuesday that disposing of the wastewater from the plant was, quote, a problem that cannot be avoided, end quote. Uh, they kind of uh, rejected this. Greenpeace, Japan is not happy. They said that this ignores human rights and international maritime law. A climate and energy campaigner for Greenpeace Japan, uh, Kazue Sazuki, said that the Japanese government had discounted the radiation risks. They said, uh, rather than using the best available technology to minimize radiation hazards by storing and processing the water over the long term, they have opted for the cheapest option, which is dumping the water into the Pacific Ocean. Guys, remember the Fukushima crisis started in March 2011 by that huge earthquake and tsunami that hit northeastern Japan killed more than 19,000 people. That number always blows my mind. And then they had the meltdown of three of the plant's six reactors. They consider that the worst nuclear disaster since Chernobyl. And, uh, yeah, the cleanup is far from finished, by the way, at the disabled plant. To keep the three damaged reactor cores from melting, cooling water is pumped through them continuously. And then they take that water, and it's sent through this filtration system, that is able to remove all the radioactive material except for tritium. That is an isotope of hydrogen that experts say is not harmful to human health in small doses. Well, they have about 1.25 million tons of wastewater stored in more than 1,000 tanks at the plant site, and the water continues to accumulate at a rate of 170 tons a day. So they're trying to, they don't have room. They're trying to figure out what to do. Releasing all of it is expected to take decades. They also proposed allowing it to evaporate. I guess that's not feasible. Oh, no. Actually, I, let, me, let me check myself. Next sentence. <laughs> they propose disposing of the wastewater either by gradually releasing it in the ocean or allowing it to evaporate. The International Atomic Energy Agency said last year that both options were, quote, technically feasible, end quote. And they do say that nuclear power plants around the world routinely discharge treated wastewater containing this tritium into the sea. But uh, obviously it doesn't, uh, it's, it may, it might, that might work on paper and uh, probably doesn't sound too good in the real world. Okay. Let's do a little coronavirus roundup here and see where we are with the latest maps and case count. Total cases, United States, 31.5 million. That is a 8% increase in the 14-day change. And we have deaths of 565,778, and that is a minus 12% uh, decrease in the 14-day change. Uh, so we're averaging about 71,000 cases a day. That is about 16,000 more than a month ago. Uh, Michigan is by far the worst state in the country. The state accounts for more than 10% of the country's daily cases. I wonder what the hell is going on there. Uh, new Jersey and New York have finally started seeing sustained declines in new cases. 
And we are experiencing about 700 deaths reported most days. That is the fewest since October. About 3.3 million vaccine doses are being administered on an average day. And, uh, yeah, so that's where we are. Now, as far as some other news about the coronavirus, global deaths have passed 3 million. That's fucking nuts. And a lot of these are being blamed on the, the variants. By the way, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases globally is over 140 million now. That's nuts. You know, the world did not see 1 million COVID deaths until September 20, uh, 28th, 2020. But just four months later, there were 2 million. And then the third million took just three months. Uh, top leaders of the world in COVID deaths, the U.S., followed by Brazil, then Mexico. Uh, Mexico, they think, has 211,600 deaths. But remember, last week I was telling you guys that the uh, case numbers have been underreported there. You know, Japan has a similar size population to Mexico. In comparison, they've only had 9,500 deaths. Uh, Brazil, they say more than 368,700 people have died. India has 175,600 deaths, and in the UK, more than 127,200 deaths. That's wild. Yeah, they say more than 870 million vaccine doses have been administered worldwide. Uh, the J&J vaccine pause will probably last at least another week. Remember, they think that there is a tiny, tiny amount of blood clotting cases and it's not even clear whether the vaccine was responsible for those blood clots so i mean it's like it was like i think it was like six cases out of like six million doses something like that i mean it's a fucking blip not worth it to me should keep it going uh players on 14 nfl teams say they will not attend off-season workouts because of virus concerns hmm yeah uh, Tom Brady, Buccaneers quarterback, was among players who spoke out to the news media and on social media. Uh, he said, um, yeah, basically he, 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 he made a vague statement, but basically he sounds like he's sympathetic to not going to those voluntary off-season workouts. Okay, well, let's just leave it there. I'm going to say I'm over it. <laughs> Coronavirus, man. It doesn't seem like it's just been with us forever. It's amazing. All right, let's go to let's go to this jerk. Man who shot elephant seal in the head with a pistol as it rested on the beach is sent to federal prison for three months. What a dick. Three months in federal prison. Thirty-year-old uh, Jordan Gerbich. It's probably Gerbich, but he's a he's a Gerbich, all right. This happened back in 2019, but he just got sentenced, which is why it's in the news. 30-year-old Jordan Gerbich from Santa Maria, California, drove to an elephant seal viewing area near the Piedras Blancas Marine Reserve and Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary with a 45 caliber pistol and a flashlight, and he just fucking walked up to one of these elephant seals and killed it by shooting it directly in the head with a single gunshot. 
It was discovered the next day with the bullet hole in the head. And this guy's just some psycho. Prosecutors say it remains unclear what motivated him to commit an act. He pled guilty to one misdemeanor count of illegally taking a marine mammal. That's all you get for that, huh? Yeah, and this is a protected species, by the way. This guy's a fucking psycho. Yeah, elephant seal's pretty high on the animal hierarchy. Not the highest. Uh, you know, they're, they're no dolphins, but they're definitely up there. Okay, I put this one out on uh, Instagram, and a lot of you guys actually sent this to me, too. The Did you see this crazy story about this... Uh, this teacher in North Carolina who was killed in a shootout with a Mexican drug cartel. This is nuts. This guy basically had a whole hidden life. And shout out to my man. I put this on my story on Instagram stories. And one of you guys messaged me, uh, commented on the story saying, dude, that was my coach. I was like, God, unbelievable. And he said, and this guy, for what it's worth, said, this is the last dude I would have ever thought to do anything like this. Nobody had any idea. This was Barney Harris. He was the basketball coach at Union Academy in Monroe, North Carolina. And he was apparently very well loved and well respected. But Alamance County Sheriff Terry Johnson said there was another side to Harris that most people didn't see. One that involved the drug world. And the local television station there. They learned that Harris and his brother-in-law... Stephen Stewart went to a mobile home park in Green Level, North Carolina in the early morning hours of April 8th to steal money and drugs from, get this, the Sinaloa Cartel's stash house. As I said on IG, I mean, fucking top 10 bad ideas ever. Right? Well, somebody called saying they heard gunshots. And when they got there, sheriff's deputies said they found Harris in a bedroom with several gunshot wounds. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Investigators say that 18-year-old Alonso Beltran Lara, who was a cartel member, was also found with gunshot wounds. Deputies said his feet were bound and his arms were tied behind his back. He was later taken to a hospital where he died. And they say that Harris and Stewart broke into this trailer. Lara showed up while they were inside. Deputies said the men questioned Lara about the stash, and when he didn't give them the answers they wanted, they shot him in the head. Yeah, two bullets to the back of the head, execution style. These guys were fucking gangster, dude. Well, after that happened... Other members of the cartel showed up. So this guy, Lara, before he went in and busted him, he must have been on the phone saying, hey, something's going on inside the uh, stash. And so the other members of the cartel pulled up. Harris was killed in the gunfight that followed. They said dozens of bullet casings were found at the scene. Uh, Harris was wearing a bulletproof vest, but the cartel guns, yeah, they blew right through that shit. He was probably wearing like you know one of those soft vests. They probably like had AKs or some shit. They don't say what kind of ammunition that was used. Wow. Detectives believe that, that Harris and Stewart had been using electronic trackers to follow members of the cartel. Uh, Stewart, the brother-in-law, actually survived the shooting, and he 
has been charged with first-degree burglary, first-degree murder, and possession of a firearm by a felon. Harris was hired by Union Academy Charter School in July 2017 as a high school Spanish teacher and served as the head coach for the varsity men's basketball team and varsity men's track team. And they they, they can't... They're in shock. Yeah. Deputies say they also found about two pounds of cocaine in the trailer, along with seven grand in cash. Uh, they don't. They didn't catch any members of the uh, cartel. Dude, that's nuts. Yeah, it looks like just a regular dude. Fucking got caught up, man. That's crazy. Uh, I put this one out on Twitter. This is amusing. Just to show you that anybody can make money these days. Married mother of two, 48, according to the Daily Mail, claims she makes $4,200 a month by selling videos of herself farting online. She uses the online pseudonym Emma Martin, and she calls it flatulence camming. She says she's from South Carolina. She says her children don't know about her online business, but her husband knows about it. She says she records her videos when she's alone in the room, and then she posts them for her 300 OnlyFans followers who pay $4.99 a month to get access to them. She also makes custom videos for her top clients, for which she charges $7 a minute, and she says she makes $4,200 a month for those clips. She even follows a specific diet that is designed to help improve her performance. She says, quote, I eat a lot of salad, asparagus, and avocados. I also eat lots of Mexican food. One of my favorites is coleslaw and baked beans mixed together. 300 followers on OnlyFans. God. They said, who are these people who follow you? She says half of them are white-collar professionals looking for custom videos where I'll say their names and do things they're too embarrassed to ask their wives for. <laughs> the other guys are in their 20s who just follow me on OnlyFans. Oh, that is, a, is there a video here? Uh, there's a, uh, it's too, it's too much. It's a commercial and I'm not going to play it. Yeah, go follow her, you guys. I know you degenerates will be into that. What else? Okay, guys, top three favorite things to cover. Fake hate crime yet again. They never learn. They never learn. And of course it's at a school. And of course the school predictably falls for it over and over and over again. This is it. Um, this was at White Bear Lake Area School. I believe this is in Minnesota. And of course a stupid... Uh, yeah, it is. It is Minnesota. But yes, the superintendent says racist and threatening messages sent to students of color over social media were a hoax. The messages triggered a walkout last week, blah, 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 the usual thing. And now the superintendent's getting shit on because he called it a hoax. So it's not really a hoax. What he meant to say was, well, I'll, let me read you what he said. He said a student admitted to creating a fake Instagram account and sending messages to other students. And then he said of that student who sent the posts that, quote, they posed no threat to our students of color, end quote. So reading between the lines here, it sounds like the student was a student of color, if I'm reading between the lines. 
So now he's getting shit on for calling it a ho- uh, uh, a hoax because it wasn't like really a hoax. And they first accused some high school student of doing this. A sophomore was accused of a girl named Avery Severinsen. She was falsely accused of sending the racist direct messages. They brought the FBI in for this. School officials said that, imagine being the FBI guy who gets this call, because aren't you immediately, as the FBI guy, aren't you immediately like, okay, who, who's, the, who's the faker? I mean, I would be. They did say that it was a female student, and they said the female student who created the hateful messages wanted, quote, to raise awareness of social and racial injustice, end quote. And they refused to name the perpetrator. Why? They would have named it if it was like real hateful messages. Why wouldn't you name them? You have to, you're, this is never going to end until you start kicking these kids out of school for raising a bunch of fucking uh, racial nonsense. Because this just puts everybody at edge. It pits black students against white students. It's bullshit. And this chick who was falsely accused uh, said that she had to have an escort walker to and from class. Uh, because she was apparently uh, trying to organize a campus chapter of Turning Point USA, the conservative group. So that's why everybody pointed the finger at her. Um, yep. Screenshot. Oh, there's there's some screenshots. Screenshots that were first published by local TV show the Instagram messages sent by the anonymous account at Go White Bear. It's blurred out, so I'm not going to read it in full uh, like I do because it's an adult show. But it says basically, quote, leave my school ends, end quote. Another one, quote, you ends need to leave White Bear, end quote. So you get the idea. Yep. And they blame this uh, conservative chick. Oh, another message said, quote, that's why George Floyd died. Can't wait until everyone your color leaves like that. You should get hanged. You're a dirty African girl. Nobody wants you here. Go to a black school. This is White Bear Lake, end quote. Yep, and it turns out it was all bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Juvenile female. And wanted to raise awareness. So congratulations. You just pissed off everybody and you put this fucking other poor chick who didn't do a damn thing. You put put her basically like life in danger. Horrible. Okay. Let's go to the... Let's go to the uh, Santa Fe... Uh, the, the, the governor of New Mexico. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. It came out this week that she actually had to make a settlement of $62,500 with a former campaign staffer who accused the first-term Democratic governor of grabbing his genitals. Wow. Yeah, this was uh, apparently paid to James Hallinan, who served as her communications director during her candidacy for governor. And he told the New Mexican, some magazine, in an interview that Grisham had dumped water on his crotch and then touched his genitals. 
He described the incident as a, quote, slap and grab, end quote. And he kind of sounds like he's a little kind of a snowflake. He, he, he then went on to say, quote, it's eaten away at me every single day, all the time, end quote. Okay. I mean, it is sexual assault. I'm not trying to downplay the sexual assault. Calm down. But it does. I mean, come on. Yep. So uh, she agreed to uh, pay him. He said he tried to leave the campaign after the incident. Uh, but the campaign spokesman or, or somebody said uh, they encouraged him not to go to the cops and pressured him to stay on the campaign staff. So she ended up paying him $62,000 in uh, fucking fees. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Grab the old. That's a good old trick. Just grab the old genitals right there, huh? Okay, let's go to the another shooting. And this was yet another shooting of a black man by a white police officer. And this was the shooting of Dante Wright. And yes, I did a tweet. I think I put this on Instagram and Twitter. And this was the kid who was shot by the 26-year-old veteran policewoman when she mistook her uh, Glock for a taser. She thought she was going to tase him. Somehow she pulls out her Glock. I don't even know how you do that. Pulls out her Glock instead, shoots him, kills the guy. And that was Officer Kim Potter. She has been charged with second-degree manslaughter. And both Potter and the police chief, Tim Gannon, have resigned. And, of course, now this killing has sparked clashes between cops and protesters in the town of Brooklyn Center. It's a suburb of Minneapolis. And they've been kind of going at it all week. They threw bottles and other projectiles at cops who responded with, responded with stun grenades and pepper spray. She has posted bail, by the way, has Potter. In Minnesota, a person can be found guilty of second-degree manslaughter if they can be proven to have shown culpable negligence. She is due to make her first quarter... I'm sorry, she already has made her first quarter parents. Wow. Maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. The the family wants her basically thrown in jail for the rest of her life. I just don't see how it's possible. You know, they purposely have you carry the taser on the opposite side of your handgun. You know, your non-dominant hand. And some cops have, I've seen it before too, they'll turn the holster so they can grab it cross-draw with their strong right hand. I wouldn't do that. I just don't want to have any muscle memory of that in my mind. It's hard it's it's hard to mistake a taser for a Glock, but still and if you watch the body cam, like the gun, you can see it all very clearly. You see her raise up the gun. I'm like, dude, are you not even looking at what's in your hand? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Complete neg- negligence, obviously. And 26 years, I thought it was like a rookie. No, 26 years. And you don't know your fucking equipment that well? Unacceptable. But yeah, they the family wants a, a big charge for her, and they they are not happy with the uh, max of 10 years in prison. And all those protesters are still going hard. Now, a little bit about, I've got some clips here to play in a moment. Uh, Dante Wright, as far as he's concerned, uh, and you know, you can believe two things. You can believe that she was completely negligent, and you can believe that Dante Wright was not a good person, and then he strongly escalated the situation by fighting the cops and trying to get back into the car because he did have a warrant out for his arrest 
and he's already had a record. He'd appeared in court for attempted aggravated robbery, and he was pulled over for expired license plate tags, not the often reported air fresheners. That was another media lie. But yeah, he had a warrant out for his arrest related to misdemeanor firearms offenses. So here's what happens. The cops run the tags because they're expired, right? They're going to run them. And when they come, when the shit comes back and they see who they're dealing with, their antenna is automatically going up. I can't stress this enough. So if you have a fucking warrant out for weapons charges, the cops are going to be on edge already, and you should probably just take the L and cooperate. That being said, he didn't deserve to get shot to death, clearly. And it was horrible. But again, two things can be true at the same time. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he, he escalated the situation hard. You can see in the video, one cop has his hands behind his back, so like he's you know cuffing him. And then the chick walks up, the shooter, and all of a sudden he just tries to burst out of the guy's hands who's got control of him and get back in the car and take off. And that's when she sh- uh, shot him. You can hear her on body camera saying, holy shit, I shot him. So I have a few clips here about this. First of all, some of the protest action. Here's a video of a person uh, who's basically blaring with a bullhorn of some kind about threatening to hunt down the cops. Let's listen to this. Is Joe Biden? Yeah, man. Uh, Hennepin County uh, uh, District Attorney Michael Freeman on 5202. We make his ass move. And we're going to make y'all move, too. So I need everybody to go to Brooklyn Center, please. Um, um, page, the website, you go through the officers that are on duty, you pull up, there's him, and then you find the name. Then you put it into Facebook, and you put it into Instagram. Then you start taking screenshots of their family and who they are, and then what happens is, hey, bro, he, your, your, your dad Ooh, just killed my that. Look at his face when you said that. That hurt his ass. No, 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 that's the reality. We're going to start getting their badges. That, you start doing pull-ups to their that. house. You let them know. I see you. Give them a little wink. They're not going to understand until they start getting popped, too. And that's the reality. You're supposed to do it biblical. God will kill somebody in your own hood. You kill your brother before you kill him. George Zimmerman's still walking around, and Roddy Rich said, I put 100000 on him, and he still ain't dead yet? Damn it. Y'all talking about all grabbing bodies. You ain't grabbing shit if you ain't grabbed one of them. That's the reality. I know okay, and then the video just cuts out there. So the cops are just standing there, and they got to, like, you know, obviously listen to this guy. Uh, here was Brooklyn Center Police Chief Tim Gannon. He was later, uh, he later resigned. And is trained. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. This appears to me, from what I viewed, and the officer's reaction and distress immediately after that this was an accidental discharge Negligent. that resulted in the Negligent. tragic death of Mr. Wright. I have asked the BCA to conduct an independent investigation into the shooting and death. Once they are completed, I expect they will submit their findings, independent of me, to the appropriate authorities, the appropriate attorneys that will, that will look and review this case. I'm also stressing that I do hope for the community to be patient and allow this investigation criminal investigation to be completed. Wow, you know what? I hadn't heard that clip before. I cannot believe he called that an accidental discharge. First of all, the proper term is negligent discharge. And it wasn't like, yeah, it was an, the accident was 
if you want to call it that, I call it negligence, but fine. You would, if you want to call it an accident that was pulling the gun instead of the taser, but the, sh- the firing of the weapon was not accident. She meant to fire it. I don't know. That's, that's not good. Not good at all. I don't know why the, I think the military really takes negligence and discharges way more serious than the police. I really do. And then, of course, this is now going way over the top. And here's Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott, who infamously said, well, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe cops shouldn't have weapons when they're making traffic stops. Yeah, he actually said that. Let's listen to it. Of, 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 of your request uh, and uh, make sure that you know, we sit down and, and, and go through it and, and see how we can implement. Uh, I, I don't believe that officers need to necessarily... Uh, have weapons, uh, you know, uh, every time they, they're, they're making a, a traffic stop uh, or, or engaged in uh, situations that don't necessarily call for, uh, for weapons. We know that there are other, many other jurisdictions or even around the world where uh, that is not, you know, necessarily the case. Okay, not- well, listen, dummy, the problem is that you don't know what the situation is. When you walk up to a car in the middle of the night, you don't know. Uh, and I'll prove that to you in a minute. I do have one more clip here first. Here's the, uh, the you know, I said there's a bunch of riots going on in Brooklyn Center. A, a guy cut in on a CNN reporter while she was doing a report there, and he started ranting at her. Let's listen to this. Now you can see. Now you can see. see. Y'all be twisting up the story. You want to talk to me? Do you want to talk to me? Okay, cool. Don't take my mic, but we're cool. Okay. What's your your name? What's my name? My name is my name. All right. So tell me what you think about what's going on What I think about this is all the press and all the extra shit y'all do makes this worse. You think so? Yes. When people want to protest, they shouldn't do it in front of a fucking police. Yeah. Courthouse. Shit like that. You get what the fuck I'm saying? I want you to be careful. I want you to be careful. I really of do. What? Of anything that can of hit what? you. Of anything that can hit you. Look at of all the stuff. What? Of this. Of what? Of this. Do it look like I'm scared? No, you don't. Do it you look don't. like I'm scared? You don't. You don't. Exactly. Y'all need to get up out of here with all that twisting up the media ass shit. Okay. Real shit. You don't know me, but we're going to get to know each other. That's you what gonna we're going to do. We're going to get to know each other. Yes, huh? we are. Let's we see. are. We are. How you gonna know me? I'm gonna we're gonna talk. I'm gonna share yeah, a number with you. All right, let's do it. No, let's do it right let's here. Let's do it. All right, here's my here's my phone. Let's no, go ahead and share your number. Talk about something that's real. Tell me what's y'all real. Y'all just gonna edit out the shit. That y'all we're don't live. Want, we're and then live. y'all gonna listen, edit out some listen, other shit. We're live. Right we're now. not fucking live. I'm live right now. I don't care if you live or not. Okay, but get away from here with all that media shit that y'all doing right now. Look, we're with CNN. Then take that camera all the way the fuck up there. Then we are going up there. Take it all the way the fuck up there. Y'all doing all the extra shit for the backhand shit to make people look all crazy than what the fuck they are. All right, then you watch us because that's where we're going. All right, so everybody's got a hot head right now, as you might imagine, because (laughs) it was live on the air. That's (laughs) funny. He's just cussing her out. Now, you heard the mayor talk about, oh, I don't think they should be armed in all situations. Well, did you see the video of the New Mexican cop killed during the traffic stop? This was gnarly, dude. This actually happened on February 4th, but they just released the video. This was a New Mexico state police officer who fucking got shot by an AR-15 style rifle. And this was... a. Uh, Officer Darian Jarrett. This is horrible. The video is awful. 
A man who agreed to temporarily surrender the rifle instead opened fire, and that was 39-year-old Omar Felix Cueva. And he started to get out of the truck, and he just shoots one round across the pickup truck's bed, and then he fatally shot Jarrett as he ducked and fell. As Cueva ran towards the front of the truck on the passenger side, he shot Jarrett point-blank in the back of the head. Man... He had been pulled over on Interstate 10 west of Las Cruces. And then Cueva later died in a shootout with other cops who pursued him. Did they say why he was pulled over in the first place? Um, well, okay. Well, basically, they don't say in this story, but they did say Jarrett was on the passenger side of the vehicle while talking to the man in his truck asking him to either roll his windows down or open his car door. Uh, he was on the passenger side of the vehicle because they're on the side of a freeway. And Jarrett asked the man if he has a firearm. And the guy said yes, and the right protocol to follow is to take control of the firearm for the officer's safety, which is what Jarrett did. Well, the guy steps out with the gun, and then instead of handing it to him, friggin' just executes the guy right on the spot. It's horrible. Video is very tough to watch. And then bolstering that same argument that cops don't know what they're walking into, a San Antonio cop was shot in the hand during a gunfight with a suspect at a traffic stop yesterday. And this was nuts. The chief said the driver and the officer were having a casual conversation for a few minutes before all of a sudden the suspect just pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. But the cop kept his head, and he wound up killing two suspects, both men, in the car. And a third passenger, who was a woman, was shot in the upper torso. Yeah, he had no idea. They just pulled over a truck, chatting with the guy. All of a sudden, boom, pulls out a gun, shoots the cop. They said he's very lucky to be alive. All he was was shot in the hand. They said that uh, the driver and passengers weren't making any motions with their hands. No one had made any excited movements. Nobody had raised their voice. Pretty crazy. Both men killed appeared to be in their mid-20s. So yeah, you just, you don't know. You don't know what you're walking up on. Okay, let's go to this story. Did you see the video of this white drill sergeant who has been... Um, suspended from his instructor duties at Fort Jackson after being charged in the assault of a young black man. Yeah, this was captured on video, shared to Twitter, went all over the place. The leadership of Fort Jackson got involved. This was Sergeant First Class Jonathan Pentland. And it shows Pentland basically interrogating this uh, young black guy about what he is doing in their Columbia neighborhood and repeatedly telling him to leave. And then he does push the guy at one point. And 42-year-old Pentland has been charged with third-degree assault and battery. Uh, he has been released, but then the fucking protesters showed up at his house too. And they were like all over his yard, like 100 people were out there. It's really scary. Uh, so I have the video... Let's see if we can hear what's going on here. Here we go, about two minutes long. Hey, they've already been called. They're just waiting. You know what, maybe you should hang on a little longer. We'll see how it goes. 
Then we won't have to get the report by ourselves. What is it you're doing here? Walking. Then walk. Well, you've been here like 15 minutes now. Let's go. Walk away. Keep walking. Walk away. Walk away right now. Do you need help? You got this on camera. I'm happy to help. I didn't hit you. There's a difference between pushing you. You're aggressive on the neighborhood. Someone came running. You better walk away. Shove them. You walk away. You talking to my wife right now? Walk away. Walk away. Check it out. You do walk away, or I'm gonna carry your ass out of here. What do you want to do? Better not touch. Or what? What are you gonna do? You up on me. Let's go. Walk away. I didn't do anything. I'm about to do something to you. You better start walking. You better start walking right now. You come after me like that? I ain't coming after you. You're in the wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. Get out. Get out. Where? Where's your house? He's saying he lives there. Maybe we should walk you home. Walk me home? Oh, you bet. You want to bet what I can do? I live here. Okay, right now, you're house. harassing the neighborhood. I'm not harassing anyone walking through the neighborhood I live in. So. Where? But check, check it out. We are a tight-knit community. Okay. We How take care of each other. Hell of a lot longer than your ass, because I have never seen you before in my How life. How long have you been living here? Why does that even business. matter to you? How long have you been living here? It doesn't matter. You know what? Get the hell out of my face. Get out of my face. You walked up to me. Check it out, motherfucker. I ain't playing with you. You either get your ass moving, or I'm going to move you. You smell drunk. You want to bet? You are drunk. I'm about suggest. to show you what I can do. I would suggest that you better walk away. Walk away. Walk away. I'm walking. You keep following me, sir. There's only one way out of here. It's right over there. There's multiple ways out of here, sir. Okay, so this is that's the video that, that happened, okay? And this went all... This was all over the place. The army got involved. And it was crazy. So, now, a little bit about this guy... The, he's been the, the, the young black man. Pentland is white, you know, so obviously this is a racial dynamics at play. Uh, De, the, the young black man is named only as DeAndre. Apparently, according to the Daily Mail, he is mentally ill and has been committed to a facility following the incident. And he had been facing charges of trespass and animal cruelty from different incidents. This is nuts. This guy is nuts, man. Yeah, they said he's been fucking uh, institutionalized. Um, let me see. He, they do say he appears to have a relative who lives just a 10-minute walk away. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Pentland has been suspended from his drill instructor role uh, for all this. I don't know who released the video. But yeah... And the Washington Post, by the way, uh, also did some reporting on this story. And they said, I'm reading from the Washington Post here, a woman speaking off camera says that the young man, quote, picked a fight with some random young lady that's one of our neighbors, end quote. And then later in the Washington Post story, uh, they said that two reports of alleged assault were also made against the young man after deputies responded Monday and they are being investigated, and that the young man has, quote, an underlying medical condition that may explain the behavior exhibited in the alleged incidents, end quote. Hmm. 
One of those incidents, the man allegedly put his arm around a woman's waist, put his hand down the right side of her shorts, and then put his arm back around her waist as her pants were partly down. <laughs> On another incident, he repeatedly picked up a baby without permission and tried to walk away with it. Okay? So this guy's some fucking nut, this DeAndre kid. But it kind of sucks for Jules. I mean, you know, if the guy was harassing people. Yeah, but you know, I don't know who released that video, but it did. It didn't. It didn't look good for him because again, this is a big white dude, you know, being mean to a young black guy. So, and in the woke society we have now—that's horrible. Okay, what else? Let's do. What else do I have? Do I? I want to make sure I get to the all the good video clips I have. Okay, I have good. Oh, no, I have a few more coming up, but I'm, I'm going to save those because they're they're too good. Uh, let's go to the, this one I actually had held over for last, from last week. And I, I was kicking myself that I didn't get to it. Did you see the Alabama Senate contender who had an extramarital affair? And then he exchanged sects about anal play. And this was, uh, leaked to the media. And this was Alabama secretary of state, John Merrill, who was expected to run for the United States Senate. Well, he had an extramarital affair with this woman named Cesare McPherson. She's a legal assistant. And according to McPherson, all-time great quote of the story at nationalfile.com, according to McPherson, quote, Merrill enjoyed having his anus breached with sex toys, end quote. God. Jesus. No. Okay, I've got some screenshots. I'm going to read the text messages. You're going to love these. Yep. Here's one from... Uh, yeah, here's one from her to him. She writes, quote, I can't for you... Omitting the word wait. She must have forgot it. Let me start over. Quote, I can't for you to tie me up to the bed and make me beg for your cock. I want to tie you up and swallow your balls, suck that hard cock, and fuck you up the ass. <laughs> Would you like that? End quote. Merrill responds, quote, Of course you will be rewarded for your patience. I can't talk anymore. I will talk soon. Uh, Merrill, by the way, yes, is married uh, with children. Well, apparently that uh, run is going to be over with. Damn, just likes fucking having stuff jammed up his ass, huh? Hmm. Yeah, something I could never get down with. You know, once you start putting stuff up your ass, there's no end to it. I would, I'm just assuming that, you know, because like the minute the chick sticks her pinky up your ass and you're like, oh, it's not too bad. Let's try something a little thicker. You know, next thing you know, she's got like a fucking rolling pin and fucking strap on. There's no end to it. I can't do it, guys. Not for me. Okay, a couple other military stories. A U.S. Army staff sergeant has been sentenced to 13, year, 13 years behind bars and a dishonorable discharge after being uncovered as a serial rapist whose victims included his own daughter. This is nuts, dude. Uh, staff Sergeant Randall Hughes was reported to the Army's Criminal Investigation Command by... Leah Ramirez, she said that he raped her during a Super Bowl party at her home. Her husband was passed out drunk at the time after Hughes, who was his superior, 
had encouraged him to down shots of whiskey throughout the night. After Ramirez got her husband to bed and everybody else had left, Hughes asked her for sex, and when she refused, he reportedly dragged her by her hair and raped her. She did go to the hospital to get checked out and everything else. And military investigators determined after a year-long probe that the woman's allegations were credible, but they would not prosecute the guy. He just got a general memorandum of reprimand, and that was it. And then a few months after sexually assaulting her, he allegedly raped his then-girlfriend at the El Paso headquartered Fort Bliss, and then Hughes' own teenage daughter later accused him of raping her after he transferred to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Because CID agents launched an investigation after seeing the memorandum of reprimand on his record. It's crazy. So the probe led to criminal charges covering more than 10 years and involving five victims. That's nuts, man. On March 25th, 2020, Hughes raped his daughter after giving her sleeping medication. Jesus. Yikes. He had not been involved in the girl's life when she decided to move in with him at 20, in 2017 at the age of 14. Wow. <sighs> Fucking animal, dude. 13 years, throw him in for life. And uh, that's not even the only bad soldier news. We had two ex-soldiers. They've been indicted for a murder conspiracy after another soldier was found dead in his barracks room. Um, Byron Booker and Jordan Brown are charged in the death of specialist Austin Hawk at Fort Stewart. They are being charged with premeditated murder and a mur- and murder of a member of the U.S. Uniformed Services. I guess that's a separate charge, huh? Oh, dude, brutal. They conspired to commit the offenses against Hawk in retaliation for Hawk reporting Booker to U.S. Army leadership for, quote, poor leadership, poor military performance, and maltreatment of subordinates, end quote. That was prior to Booker's discharge from the Army and in retaliation for Hawk reporting Brown for drug use during his service. So the indictment says that they discussed silencing him and Brown providing Booker with a key to access his room. Um, they got into his room and then they killed Hawk by stabbing, cutting, and slashing him with an edged weapon. Jesus. Awful. Uh, let's see how much time I have left. Okay, we got a little bit here. A Las Vegas prostitute got two men to go to hotel rooms with her and then stole their watches worth $87,000. Two watches, eighty-seven grand. One watch was a Rolex Daytona watch worth $45,000. And the other one, I'm going to butcher this name because I haven't heard of this brand before. It is an Audemars Piguet Royal Oak Watch. Could be Piguet. That one's worth $37,000. But yeah, Wendy Rose Jones, 23, is accused of targeting her victims at the Cosmopolitan Hotel after enjoying drinks. They, she went up to the rooms with them, probably banged, story doesn't say, but these two guys find both their watches missing. Wait, what is... Okay, this is two separate events, I'm sorry, the story's not very well written. So yeah, the first one happened on February 21st, that was the Royal Oak watch, worth 37 k 
And then a month later, a second man took this hooker up to his room, and he woke up to find his $45,000 Rolex Daytona watch. Jesus. I love watches, you guys. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to drop 45 k on one. Seems uh, excessive. Police were able to track her down after finding advertisements featuring her picture on local escort websites. Oh, and both men she targeted said she had a distinctive lion tattoo on her thigh. See? No distinctive tattoos, hooker thieves. Can't do it. All right. Uh, Hunter Biden's autobiography has sold 10,000 copies in its first week. That is considered quite disappointing. This came despite massive publicity. He went on Jimmy Kimmel. He went on the BBC. He went twice on CBS. That's crazy. Don't tell me there's not corruption here. That th- th- there's no you know how much he got in advance for this he got like what did he get I'm looking I want to say he got like two million dollars for this advance to write this book now in comparison Michelle Obama's 2018 autobiography Becoming sold 1.4 million copies in its first week so yeah ten thousand but yeah he got this huge advance and I'm sure like they it's all it's like bribe money. Because you know, his dad's the president. Make the dad happy. Give Hunter Biden $2 million. He can smoke crack or do whatever he's going to do. And he can write some fake book, which nobody will read, nobody will buy. Crazy. Uh, let's go to... Okay, well, let's go to these... Uh, I got a couple good videos here for you. Let's start with this one. Florida woman goes on a rant inside Walgreens over a mask. Okay, you guys know I like these. So let's hear this one from Florida. Here we go. You are a, you are a fucking cocksucker. You probably suck cocks. Are you Muslims? Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Here we go. Here we go. I'm sipping you. Are you? I'm sipping you. Kiss my ass. Oh, I love your garb. You look like a fucking nigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. for you. Pull that up. Pull that up, honey. Yeah, pull. Look at Hi. I'm at Walgreens. These guys are calling me cunts here. They're Muslims. They're here in our country. In our country. In our country. We're here in your country. Get the hey, fuck out of my face. Get her up. I swear to God, I'm going to fucking get you on the she, floor. Listen, listen this move guy back. is threatening me. Move this back. guy is threatening me. Ladies, move me. back. Will you please Walgreens move back. on 17th Street? I'm calling you right now. Move back. No, step you, back, man. You threatened me. You threatened me. This, you need she's to step filming back. me. She's You're filming me. me. And he's calling me a cunt. And he says he's going to throw me on the ground. He said that he's going to throw me okay, on the ground. Everything we off right now. You saw, you saw. I don't know what is the dress here. I'm tapping you. I'm tapping you. Sounds good. 
No, I'm waiting for the she, police. She's no. no, 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 no. She's first of all, no, no, no. first of all, you need a mask. I have a mask. Then put it on. No. No, no, no. Give them, this is the police. No. Give them the address. I don't give a damn who it is. You need a mask. Did you hear them? Did you hear them? She doesn't care. She doesn't care. You're the police. She doesn't care. You need a mask. When you come to Walgreens on 7th Street. You can meet them outside. Put, no. Put, no. I'm, listen. You can meet them outside. I have a mask. I'm putting it on. All I'm asking you to do is put it on. She's talking to me. I don't care. The police. Put your mask on. I will. Ma'am, you need to put your mask on. Bunch of idiots here. You need to put your mask on. That's I am it. having. There's a man threatening to hurt me. Get out of my face, honey. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Spit on you again. You need a mask, ma'am. Want me to spit on you, ugly bitch? Yeah, I swear to you, if what you do that again, I'm gonna fucking what hit you. Ugly bitch. I swear to you, I'm gonna hit you. Why do you wear clothes like that? Why do you have clothes like that? She is putting her mask on. He's calling me a whore. Yes, I am. You're spitting at people. You're talking to me. You know you think you're trying to ask you to call me a whore. You're not a legal whore. No, you're not a legal whore. No, you can get in trouble. Can you please come? Can you please come? You just keeps going. Will you give him the address? I'm not giving him nothing. You're not giving you anything. Can you believe it? This is Walgreens on 17th Street by the bridge. You don't come by the bridge. And there's Muslims here that are Muslims. Muslims. We're as scary as the niggas. We're just these people. Yeah. Well, you called me a cunt and a whore. You fucking idiot. God, you're ugly. No wonder people hate you. Israel, Israelis rule. I know. Israelis rule. Israelis rule because you guys are ugly as shit. I know. I know. Yeah. Israelis rule. We rule. We rule. Israelis rule. Is that it? No wonder. Are you getting anything in here? Okay. Wow. That was. I, sorry, that went on for a lot longer than I thought. It was too good. I had to keep going. Oh God. This one will probably be anticlimactic after that one. Honestly, I didn't think it was going to be that good. I only. You guys know. I only listened to the first few minutes, just to, like the first few seconds, really, just to make sure the audio quality is okay. Man. Well, let's come here across the coast to California. I got one more for you. Uh, here's a guy lashing out at a bakery owner. In California, it's Oh, fuck you. Take your $6 oh. I said shove it up your ass. I'm out. What are you going to do, beater? Fuck you. My face was covered. Now kick me out. Yeah. That's funny to you, fuck face? Good. I hope you crack your fucking skull with your kid up your ass. Oh, it's okay to set silly rules right now. Very good. Good job. For what? Ripping up my own money? Get out of my property right now. No, this isn't your property. Yes, it is. This it is. is not your property. Yes, it is. That is. It's funny. It's funny to kick me out for having my mask on. It's funny. There's six dollars. There's your tip. You tell the green-eyed bitch to fucking pack her own. Okay, there she goes. Okay, not bad. Pretty good. Yeah, it seems like there are less mask meltdowns now. Sadly, uh, because I, I think people are kind of catching on to the fact finally, that, you know, the public shaming isn't worth it. Oh, too funny. Okay. Now, here's a good one. Man arrested for creating fake army unit. Yeah, a Chinese man was arrested for creating a fake U.S. army unit and convincing immigrants that joining the squad was a path to citizenship. This is 51-year-old Yu Peng Deng. He allegedly gave his recruits military uniforms, 
had them parade in a Los Angeles suburb, and even took them to the USS Midway aircraft carrier. Decommissioned, uh, decommissioned aircraft carrier. It's a museum now here in San Diego. And he charged more than 100 fellow Chinese nationals a fee of between $300 and $450 to join the fake army unit. Oh, he had, he had a catchy name for it. He called the squad the U.S. Army Military Special Forces Reserve Unit, or MSFR for short. And he gave himself the lofty title of Supreme Commander. That's hilarious. So he said he would tell these recruits that belonging in the unit was a path to U.S. citizenship. And he would urge them to pay him cash for higher military rank. And he would provide them also with fake documents, phony military ID cards. He was a resident of the Los Angeles suburb of El Monte. That's too funny. They didn't, you know what the funny thing? They wouldn't say how he was caught. Uh, they said that there should be a preliminary hearing coming up. And that's when all the details and evidence will come out. Because I'm curious, you know what? I, I, if I had, uh, somebody probably dimed him out. Like they saw the fake uniforms. Maybe it was some vet, you know, who was really in the army. Probably saw a bunch of fake uniforms and was like, what the hell? Or maybe a bunch of like, I don't know, not to, it's not every day. I'm not trying to stereotype or anything. We certainly have Chinese Americans in the U.S. military, but it's probably not often. I'm looking at a group picture and you see this guy and like 15 other dudes, all Chinese nationals. I mean, if you saw that and they were all speaking Chinese wearing U.S. military uniforms, you might be like, what the hell? But more to come out on that. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Make sure I get all the good ones in here. Um, Mexico has arrested 30 of their Marines over the disappearance of an unspecified number of people in 2014. Prosecutors say the victims went missing when the Marines deployed in the border city of Nuevo Laredo. Remember, about 85,000 people have disappeared in Mexico since 2006 alone. That's nuts. Criminal groups are behind most of them, but security forces are also blamed. This is the largest detention of military personnel in relation to disappearances in recent years, and the Mexican Navy, of which these Marines are part, is considered the country's most trusted security force. Um, they haven't really made any details here, but this, this, uh, state that Nuevo Laredo is in is called Tamaulipas, and it is one of Mexico's most violent states as one of the highest rates of missing persons in the country. Many of the disappearances take place on roads leading to the U.S., and these disappearances are rarely fully investigated in Mexico. And almost all these cases are unsolved. They say thousands of victims end up identified in morgues across the country or are buried in secret graves. Uh, you know, this, and this has happened before security forces or, you know, these disappearances. Uh, 43 students disappeared in the southern state of Guerrero in 2014. You guys, that was the big one. And the state prosecutor in that case said the students had been handed over by a corrupt local police force to a criminal gang who then killed them and burned their bodies. Mexico's fucking nuts. All right. I talked about cops earlier. 
There will be no charges for the officer who fatally shot Ashley Babbitt at the U.S. Capitol. You guys remember the storming of the Capitol? Yeah, federal prosecutors are not going to charge her. And this was the woman who climbed through the broken part of the door during the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Now, authorities had considered for months whether criminal charges were appropriate for the officer who shot Babbitt. He was a Capitol Police officer. She was a 35-year-old Air Force veteran from here, where I live, in Ocean Beach. I didn't know her, full disclosure. Uh, so they decided not to uh, charge a guy. I know this is hotly debated, but just like with the Dante situation, the Minnesota shooting, you are putting yourself in position for a bad time when you're battering down a door and trying to get at people barricade inside, specifically police officers. You're just putting yourself in a position. Did, did he need to shoot her in that split second? Probably not. But she put herself in that position by engaging in that behavior, just like the kid in Minneapolis did when he put himself in the position by having a warrant for gun charges out and then fighting the cops and trying to get away in a car. You just... When you put yourself in those positions, bad things are significantly more likely to happen. So I, it, it wasn't the most agree. I don't know. I, I wasn't, you know, you can't, it's hard. I, I don't like second guessing cops. But I will say, when you're trying to break down a door to get at people inside and the cops feel threatened, the chances of them using deadly force has just gone up insanely high. And if you had just stayed home, Ashley Babbitt, or gone to D.C. and participated peacefully in the rally before the storming of the riot, which many people did, by the way. None of that would happen and you'd still be alive. You got to have some self-responsibility, you know? It's too bad. Tragic story. Let's see. Bernie Madoff has died. He is the architect of the largest Ponzi scheme in American history. He died at 82 years old. That fraud totaled had paper losses that totaled 64.8 billion dollars. Yeah, they arrested he was serving a 150 year prison sentence. And uh he expressed remorse for his misdeeds, but he had served 11 years as a he, he served a total of about 12 years, I think. And he just did this huge fraud. It started among friends and relatives, and it was a classic Ponzi scheme. He promised these crazy returns, rate of return, like 20% a year or something like that, which nobody gets. And he would pay the early investors with the fees coming in from the newer investors. That's how a Ponzi scheme works. Classic. So, yep. He kind of was famous because he went through this, you know, in the recession in the early 19, 1990s and everything else. But then the financial meltdown that began in the mortgage market in 2007, which reached a climax of the failure of Lehman Brothers in September of 2008, was his undoing. Because hedge funds, pressured by demands from their clients, began to take hundreds of millions of dollars from their Madoff accounts to pay their clients who wanted their money back. By December of 2008, more than $12 billion had been withdrawn, and he was running out of money, and that's when he got caught. Yeah, $64.8 billion. At least two people killed themselves. Another one had a fatal heart attack. Some investors lost homes. 
just basically uh, ruined, ruined his life. And Madoff's older son, Mark, killed himself uh, on the second anniversary of his father's arrest. Just shitty. Manage your own money. That's my advice to you. Uh, let's see. Remember the... One more police shooting case. Remember the Daniel Prude case? That was the black man in Rochester, New York, who died after being detained by the cops and it started huge riots up there. Well, they convened a grand jury and they heard more than 30 witnesses and in the end, the jury's over voted overwhelmingly not to charge the three officers with criminal negligent homicide in Mr. Prude's death. 15 jurors voted not to indict. Five disagreed with that. Uh, this was the guy who was seen naked wearing a hood that officers put over his head and handcuffed lying face down the street because he was like on some kind of some kind of drug frenzy. And yeah, they suspended seven officers and the police chief was later fired because he tried to obscure what happened. And, yep, the jurors said we're not going to indict. So that was a huge shitstorm as well. All right. Uh, let's see. SpaceX wins a $2.9 billion contract from NASA to build a moon lander. Yeah, they're going to develop a giant rocket also called Starship. And they want this thing to take people to Mars one day. But first, they said it will drop NASA astronauts at the moon. So NASA did say, yeah, we're going to use $2.9 billion. We're going to give it to SpaceX. They're going to use it for the Starship to take astronauts from lunar orbit to the surface of the moon. And this is a kind of extending NASA's trend of relying on private companies to ferry people, cargo, and robotic explorers to space. Uh, one of the competitors for the NASA contract, by the way, was Blue Origin. That was created by Jeff Bezos of Amazon. And uh, this is a, a prestigious contract, as you would imagine. So it's seen as kind of a triumph of Elon Musk over his fellow billionaire Jeff Bezos. Uh, NASA is trying to achieve the goal of landing the next astronauts on the moon as part of his Artemis program. And they think, yes, they will now be riding in a SpaceX vehicle. Very cool. I'm all about the space. Uh, Coinbase went public on the market. I know a lot of you guys are DMing me about this. I have not, full disclosure, I have not purchased any. I'm kind of keeping my eye on it. I was thinking about putting in a small position. I have not yet, though. But shares in Coinbase did jump. That is the first major cryptocurrency company to list its shares on the U.S. stock exchange. Uh, Coinbase began trading on Wednesday afternoon at $381 a share. That is a 52% increase over a $250 reference price set by NASDAQ. Mm, that's like the price set by the stock exchange based on expectations for where the stock will open. So it obviously shot way up. It got down to as uh, low as $310, and it got as high as $429. I think Friday yesterday was pretty flat. So this, it, it ended the other day at $328.28 a share. That values the company at $85.7 billion. That is more than 10 times its last valuation as a private company. Coinbase allows people to buy and sell digital currencies, including Bitcoin and others. So 
yeah, just fucking nuts, man. I don't know. It seems like ex- 10 times what it was valued at as a private company. I don't know. You guys do your due diligence uh, as always. Okay. Oh, I had something about the uh, the stupid Dogecoin, too. Do I have that here? Hold on, guys. Bear with me here. I'm just uh, scrolling through some of my tabs. I can't believe... Normally, I put them uh, together. Oh, here it is. Yep. Dogecoin. I've kind of talked about that a little bit. The total valiancy of that now is nearly $50 billion. And this is a digital currency that started as a joke. It has increased more than 6,000% this year. It doubled again on Friday after Tesla CEO Elon Musk tweeted about it again. And Robinhood briefly stopped trading it. Yeah, and unlike Bitcoin, which has set 21 million as the finite amount of the digital currency, Dogecoin has 129 billion coins in circulation and will continue to make new blocks of coins available to mine each year. So right now it's up about 30 cents a coin. In contrast, Bitcoin is about 62,000. So. It's, this is bizarre because Bitcoin, some people actually accept Bitcoin as payment. Dogecoin, nobody's ever bought anything using Dogecoin. This is all speculation. It's so crazy. It was started as a joke in 2013 by a pair of software engineers. Some IBM programmer set to differentiate his crypto from Bitcoin. And he wanted his Bitcoin to be open to the masses. So they purchased the domain dogecoin.com. That is a nod to the Doge meme. It's that kind of smiling dog meme. And uh, went on from there. <laughs> it's, uh, man, I don't know, man. I'm just saying, be careful. Don't chase trends. That would be my other financial advice to you. Okay, I'm done for the week. No more financial advice. Uh, TikTok star... Justine Paradise said YouTube star Jake Paul forced her into a sex act without consent in the summer of 2019. She posted a video on YouTube that she didn't say anything at the time because she signed a non-disclosure agreement. And this comes up as Jake Paul is fighting tonight, Saturday. He's scheduled to fight former UFC fighter Ben Askren in a boxing match. Uh, as you know, he's he's fought a few times. Jake Paul says that this claim made against me is, quote, 100% false, end quote, and that he, quote, never had a sexual relationship with this individual, end quote. She claims that Paul and her made out, and she made it clear that she didn't want to go any further, but then he forced her to have oral sex. He says it's all bullshit. Uh, this one's good. You guys know I'm always talking about real food, fake food, that book. Go Google it. They have a whole chapter on wine and the wine fraud. So I jumped on this story because a one-time California man who bilked wine collectors out of millions of dollars by selling cheaper booze he rebottled in his kitchen has now been deported back to Indonesia. 44-year-old Rudy Kurnia Wan was deported last week, and they said he's a public safety threat because of his aggravated felony convictions. He came on a student visa in the 1990s, as many people do, overstayed it. He was ordered to voluntarily voluntarily leave the country in 2003, but stayed on as an illegal immigrant. Well, he had money. 
Um, he had been uh, kind of fucking around before. He was convicted of mail fraud and wire fraud in New York federal court. He spent seven years in prison. And then they said he made millions of dollars from 2004 to 2012 by putting less expensive Napa and Burgundy wines into counterfeit bottles at his home in the L.A. suburb of Arcadia. They actually have a Netflix documentary about this called Sour Grapes. It was uh, filmed in 2016. So what if... See, this... So this means basically that this wine thing is all fake. Because aren't you supposed to know a good wine by a bad wine just from the taste of it? Or is it just... Well, it's probably unopened. Yeah, here's one guy named William Koch. K-O-C-H. He's a billionaire yachtsman. That's a good job. He said he was conned into paying $2.1 million for 219 fake bottles of wine. (laughs) A wine expert testified that 19,000 counterfeit wine bottle labels representing 27 of the world's best wines were collected from his property. That's funny. He built a reputation as a buyer and seller of rare wines. In one auction... In 2006, he sold $24.7 million worth of wine. A record for a single dude. That's funny. Um, in two th- he, he started to get caught because some of his stuff started to become fake. In 2007, Christie's Auction House in L.A. pulled a consignment of what was supposed to be magnums of 1982 Chateau Lapin. After the company said the bottles were fake. And then one thing led to another. And then he finally got caught. That's funny. And of course, all this funded a lavish lifestyle, including a Lamborghini designer clothing and fine food and drink. Great story. I love that. All right. Uh, quickly, this was a this is a few this is probably a week or so old, but I just the clip is too hilarious to not play. Did you see Alex Jones, the notorious conspiracy theorist? He went down to the border and he tried to stop a car. He, they found a car that was packed full of kids. And so he and he started grilling the guy who's driving the car. It looks like the, the guy who's driving his car, he's got like a walkie-talkie on. He looks like he's working for some, I don't know, one of the nonprofits that's supposedly taking care of all these immigrant kids. Anyway, Alex Jones like physically stops the guy from driving off. So let's listen to this. He's loading people in the car, and Alex Jones is walking. Where are you taking these kids? That's illegal. If you get in a traffic accident, where are you taking these kids? You have a car seat. That's illegal. How is this? How is this Christian? Hey, this we need the police over here. They got a bunch hey, of kids out of the car seat. You're violating Texas law. Who, who, who is this right here? Hey, you got hey, no comments. You so this got is those Christ-like. children in there illegally. You're about to run a human being over. Hey, you got those you? children in there. Who are you? You got who those smuggled you? children illegally. Who are you? Where are you taking these You're children? You're smuggling children. Are you part you of? You got to be legal in that vehicle. You're not a part of this organization. Who are you? Where are you we taking know you're smuggling these kids. Where now are you, you taking these in kids? In the back of there without children Where are seats. you taking these kids? Sir, identify This is the massive are. smuggling. This is uh, literally human smuggling. These are right. children. Where and are you taking these kids? And now, sir, and where are you taking the kids? They don't even have car seats. Sir, they don't have their seatbelts on. Their seatbelts aren't even on. Where are you taking these children? 
Sir, identify yourself. Who are you? Don't fucking hit me. I'll tell you right fucking Who do you work for? Are you a part of this organization? No, sir. So you don't know where these kids are going? No, no, they, they came from over there. They're not being checked for COVID. So you don't know who you work for? Call the police. We need to call the police right now. I want to know where these kids are going. You are violating state law. They're not going there. You're not making any sense, sir. Identify yourself. Who are you? Kids out of that back, man. If somebody rear ends you, those kids are going to get hurt. Going down in our hiding way. That's the mother yeah, all sorts of fucked up. <laughs> okay, let me stop it there. There's a full longer uh, video uh, of there. That's funny. Yeah, they, he just he's just like it's. I saw the building is Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley. That's one of the you know people are getting these huge contracts from the Biden administration. Okay, so uh, quickly, guys, running out of time. Just a few more headlines here. Teenager accused of stealing ambulance visited the fire station and asked about becoming a firefighter. <laughs> Teenager. He's 19 years old. That's a poor headline. This was a Dallas fire rescue ambulance. He had visited the fire station the day before and uh, wanted to talk about becoming a firefighter. So then he came back and then he uh, stole the ambulance. The firefighters returned from a call and found the ambulance missing. That's funny. And right away, they suspected this kid. So they probably thought like he was a little wacky when he showed up. Uh, Portland continues to burn down. A fire has been set at the Apple Store. Other businesses smashed in downtown Portland. This is all part of the, you know, like an ongoing riots in there. And the funny thing was the Portland, uh, the Apple store that was burned down had turned itself into like a Black Lives Matter slash George Floyd shrine, and uh, they tried to burn it down anyway. So it didn't really help. Let's see, what else? Uh, a, uh, yeah, let's just get these pretty quick, guys. Gun safety, please. Boy 11 is shot dead by a nine-year-old after he found a handgun in a car where they were left alone in a Walmart parking lot. 32-year-old woman left the boys alone in a parked car, and uh, the 9-year-old found a handgun, shot the 11-year-old, and he has passed away. Horrible. They did not reveal the woman's relationship to the children, so I don't know if it's... I'm assuming it's the mom. Could have been the babysitter. And that wasn't even the only one. A mother of four was killed when her neighbor's gun not accidentally, negligently, went off as he was cleaning it, shooting her in the head. This is in Florida. 47-year-old Jennifer Edelin was fatally shot inside her home. Her teenage daughter was right there with her. You imagine that? You're sitting there, and all of a sudden your mom fucking just keels over, shot in the head. A neighbor said he was cleaning his weapon about 40 to 50 yards Away from the victim. Just fucking wrong place, wrong time. Wow. 40, 50 yards away and you catch a fucking flyer in that dome, dude. Horrible. Yeah, they have not determined whether or not he should be, he should be charged. You're responsible for every round that leaves your weapon. I, I can't overemphasize that or say it enough times. Every round that leaves your weapon, dude, you're responsible for uh, tax cheats cost, cost the U.S. $1 trillion a year, according to the IRS chief. Yep, he said they lack the resources to catch that. 
that has surged, by the way. The last official estimate from the IRS was an estimate of $441 billion. But yes, they're now saying it's up to a trillion dollars. A $1.2 million bank error led to an arrest. Yeah. Charles Schwab mistakenly deposited $1.2 million into the brokerage account of a 911 dispatcher in Louisiana. They tried to recover the money. A quarter of the funds had already been spent in one day. They tried to like that. And then for a month, they tried to call her, email, text her. And this is Kaylin Spadoni. Kellen. Kellen Spadoni, 911 dispatcher. And she used it to buy a house and a bunch of stuff. Well, she's been arrested on fraud and theft charges and fired, by the way. So have some fucking integrity and be honest. Uh, let's see. I'm running out of time here. A York County officer busts a Virginia man and a 14-year-old boy nude together in backseat of a car. He was 25. Oh, God. The pair had matched on the social media app Grinder. And met for the purpose of having sexual relations. Thanks. They didn't call it a dating app. I'm a little disappointed. Social media app, which is more accurate. Let's see. Anything else? Um, they're estimating how many Tyrannosaurus Rexes ever lived on Earth, and they think uh, they think about twenty thousand roamed North America at any given time, according to new research. I have no idea how they managed to get that. I don't have time to get into it. And finally, you guys. Let us go to the big finish because I'm running out of time. Here's the headline from Newsweek. Drunk men inject penises with cream after watching a YouTube enlargement video. (laughs) Uh, They're not naming the men. But they were aged 30 years old and 32 years old. They were drinking and discussing how they wished they had bigger penises. They then searched on YouTube for tutorials on how to achieve this. The friends subsequently injected each other's penises in a number of areas with an entire 30-gram tube of anti-hematoma cream. According to a letter to the editor of the uh, medical journal that documented their cases. Uh, hematoma cream is designed to treat conditions where blood collects outside of the blood vessels. While shockingly, over the course of the night, the men's penises gradually became more painful and swollen. Uh, this is in the French city of Strasbourg. Hours after injecting the cream, they went to the emergency department They were suffering from a condition known as penile edema. You don't want that. Oh, even better. The doctors examined the men, and they found what they had what was described as, quote, enlarged edematous penises, where excess fluid builds up in an area. (laughs) The penises were firm and painful to the touch. The team advised the men to rest, take painkillers, come back for a follow-up appointment. Unfortunately, the doctors wrote the men did not return. Uh, yeah, so the doctor said that injecting one's penis is an old practice, and it happens all the time. 
as well as cream, people have been also known to use substances such as petroleum jelly, cod liver oil, mineral oils, silicone, the anabolic steroid nandrolone, and paraffin. Uh, you don't want to do this because obviously injecting the penis can destroy the shaft of the organ and cause erectile dysfunction. And they, they just never came back. So to this day, there's two guys in France probably walking around without penises. Guys, that's all I got for you. I'm all spent. Thank you so much for the continued support, guys. Please go to patreon.com. Look for BK Actual. Consider making a donation. Keep the podcast going. It's been a good month. Let's keep that going in April. It's been great. And again, just a reminder, no podcast next week. You can catch me on the Jesse Kelly Show on Friday, either at a local radio station in your area or on his podcast page. So please follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and check out that Instagram at BK Actual. And guys, that's it for me. I'm going outside in the beautiful San Diego day. I will see you next week. Bye.